We're going to be talking this morning on blood-bought benefits. Thank you, guys. Great job. Aren't you glad for our worship leaders and our, our teams? It's awesome. Make sure you pray for Miss Brenda. She's going to be speaking at Kindle the Flame, which is a huge meeting at Ramah this fall. And uh, yesterday she spoke at a little Assemblies of God church down in Napomo. She did two sessions down there. I got, I got in on the tail end. It was a women's conference, and I had jeans on and had just gotten done working out and kind of looked a little scruffy, and they said, now, who are you? <laughs> uh, I, I said, well, my name's Mark Thomas. Oh, uh, are you her husband? They just wanted to make sure I wasn't a homeless guy, you know, <laughs> trying to get in this meeting. But uh, it was awesome. It was just awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, blood-bought benefits. The, one of the greatest benefits of being purchased by the blood is righteousness. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. And closely connected with our right standing with God is boldness. And so we have boldness basically in three areas. Boldness toward the throne of grace. Didn't he tell us to come boldly to the throne of grace? Amen. It says, having boldness, therefore, brothers, to enter in to the holy of holies, By the blood of Jesus. And then we have boldness toward the devil. We're not to be intimidated by that rat. You know, we we talked a little bit about in the game of chess. You know, there's this phrase called checkmate. And sometimes Satan yells in our ears, checkmate, which means there's no more moves. We got a little bit sassy with the devil and said, I don't think so. And why is that? Because the king has one more move. He's always got one more move. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. About the time you hear you're hemmed in, there's no way out. Just remember his name is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So we're not to be intimidated by Satan in any way, fashion, or form. But also, an area that we did not cover, and we're not going to spend too much time on this morning, is we have boldness before men. You know, in Proverbs 29, 25, he says this, that the, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord, happy or safe is he. You never see in the Bible where Jesus was intimidated by men. He just called it like it was. I mean, if they were white-walled sepulchers, he called them white-walled sepulchers. If they were hypocrites, he called them hypocrites. And so Jesus was, was very bold toward men. And there's a difference between being bold and arrogant. See, boldness shows no disrespect in any way, fashion, or form. But boldness stands up for what is right and for what is true in one's life. You know, we all know about all the different things going on in the world. People are are standing up for what they believe. What about the church? In Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen? And you and I are in there somewhere. We are believers. So we should not be ashamed for what we believe. We should not back down and back off. We're in a group of people and they're telling dirty jokes. We should exit. Amen? We should be bold with our testimony and with our witness of the Lord. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So this morning for a text, I want you to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. I'm going to talk about a couple of phrases today. Propitiation. I'm going to talk about redemption. I'm not going to get real heavy with you, so don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. Like Donnie Moore prays, Father, help in Jesus' name. Thank God for all the help that the Father gives us. Hallelujah. 
Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 24 and 25 in the Amplified Version is where I wanted to look. It says here, All are justified and made upright and in right standing with God, freely and gratuitously by His grace, His unmerited favor and mercy, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now notice the next verse. It says, Whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation by His blood. Now let's stop right there and keep that there. We have propitiation through the blood of the Lamb. Now what does propitiation mean? Propitiation basically means this. Restoration to fellowship, friendship, and favor. Amen. That's good news. I am a friend of God. How about you? You and I have been restored to fellowship, to friendship, and favor. Man, is that awesome or what? As a mercy seat and propitiation by His blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through what? Faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to that little phrase in there, mercy seat. Everyone say, mercy seat. In the Old Covenant, the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant was the place where the priests would come and they would apply the blood and make sacrifices. The mercy seat was also a place of glory and presence from the Lord. At the mercy seat, God would meet with and He would commune with His people. In the Old Testament, the mercy seat was a physical location. How many of you know we're not under the old now? We're in the New Testament. But in the New Testament, the mercy seat is faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we have faith in the blood of Jesus, not only are we justified, but faith in the blood launches us into the very presence of God. Woo, glory to God. It is our meeting place. It is our restoration of communion, of friendship, and of favor with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you know Meeting with God requires us to push back beyond our flesh. Push beyond our feelings and our mind. I mean, have you ever been to a prayer meeting and not felt like praying? I mean, all of us can, you know, if we went by our flesh, we'd never pray. But we are not a body. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. And we control our flesh and control our mind. Somebody say amen. So... What I want you to, to see this morning, certainly, it is a place of communion. It is a place of fellowship. But I heard of a lady one time where she bought something new and she went to the store. And whether it was a dress or whether it was dishes or whether it was makeup, she was asked the question. She says, well, where did you get that? She says, I got it at the getting place. I got it at the getting place. And the throne room of grace is not only a place of communion, but it's a time for you to get what you need. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Anyone ever had a need? The presence of God, we could say today, is our getting place. Because we are members of his body, we have access into his presence 
I want to say it like this. Faith in His blood gives us access to heaven's resources. Faith in His blood gives us access to heaven's economy. I want to welcome you to God's economy. Heaven's resources. Where angels are on assignment. And whatever it might be, whether it's direction or mercy or strength, you can go to the getting place. And you can come into the presence of God and you can leave that place with a big old smile on your face. You see, when you diligently... When you diligently seek the Lord, you will be rewarded. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. But he that cometh to God, you come unto God, must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder. He's not a robber. He's a rewarder of those that seek Him every now and then. No, 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 no. Those that diligently seek Him. Amen. You know, this reward is what the apostle pointed out as part of our inheritance. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, if you would, this morning. Of course, the apostle Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 18 of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1.18 says that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of what? Of His inheritance in the saints. How many of you know you've got an inheritance in Christ Jesus? You ever heard of Forbes magazine? Forbes magazine did an article a couple years ago about 400 billionaires, not millionaires, billionaires in the United States of America. And it shared how that they made their money. Well, some had gotten their wealth through media, some through entertainment, some through oil, some through technology. On the very farm that Brenda grew up on in Pawnee, Oklahoma, they're finding oil. All over Pawnee, Oklahoma, all over the place where she grew up. Oil companies are coming in from all over the place, and they're striking oil. Woo, glory. And uh, glory to God. I think you all still got the mineral rights on that. Thank you. Amen. I was listening to T.D. Jakes not too long ago. T.D. Jakes shared that he bought a house, had no idea, got the mineral rights on it, and they found gas under his house. I mean, as if he didn't have enough already. Amen. God put this stuff on the earth for you and I. And he told us to take authority over the earth with all of its vast resources. This earth is full, man. Don't let anybody ever tell you we're going to be hiding in a cave, dying of thirst, dying without food and malnutrition before Jesus comes back. No way, Jose. And if you're offended by that, no way, Bob. We are not going to be hiding in some little stinking cave with malnutrition. Well, I've got five years full of grains for you right here. All it costs you is $2,000. Give me a stinking break. Don't buy into that mess. Well, Al-Qaeda is going to take over and the terror. No, 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 no. 
for them to take over, they'd have to take over God. And God's living in you and God's living in me. As long as we're in this earth, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are never going down. Did you hear me? We're going over. So, just in case you're wondering. And then they found three brothers. Three brothers. They were worth $3.7 billion, billion each. And next to their name wasn't oil or technology. Next to their name was written the word inheritance. They had nothing to do with the wealth they got. They were simply born into it. If you're a child of God, you have an inheritance written next to your name in heaven. You see, in Romans chapter 8, in verse... 14 and 16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears, uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then in verse 17, it says uh, that we have been given an inheritance. It says that, that we are the children of God. And if children, everyone read it with me, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I mean, let's stop right there. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And we're to give thanks to God for that. I'm an heir of God. Somebody says, I can't pay my rent. You're a joint heir with Jesus. Hallelujah. You have an inheritance in Him. The Bible says, give thanks to the Father which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now the dictionary defines heir as equal possession because of equal position. Say that with me. Equal possession because of equal position. That's awesome. Now, here's here's what's happening. A lot of Christians are out of position. Not because they're not seated with Him. But simply because they're not walking in what the blood of Jesus has purchased for them. When I was studying this, when we were down taking some time in the San Luis Obispo area, those words, out of position, just kind of rose up real strong in my heart. And I started to think about football analogies. You know, it's opening weekend for the NFL. A lot of people will be watching football today. And they have in football a quarterback and, of course, other players to protect him. But they also have a receiver. Okay? They have a tight end and they have other ends. And and so the quarterback calls the play and he goes back. I'm a lefty, okay? He goes back. My name's not Tebow. It's Thomas. And so he looks for the receiver. Now, if you know anything about football, you will discover that not every pass that is thrown is received. And sometimes, not all the time, a lot of times it's because the defense is so good, but many times it's because the receiver is out of position. He, he might have a little pride and a little ego and, and even have this idea, well, you know, I'm not going to run that play, I'm going to do it my way. 
And you know, when a receiver does it his way, he can get into a lot of trouble. The ball can be intercepted. The quarterback can get hurt because he's out of position. He's looking for him, and he gets hit by about five guys weighing 450 pounds each. (laughs) See, other people can get hurt when you're not in position. When you go your own way, it's very possible for you to drop the ball for the team. And then I thought of this. Christians being out of position, a a receiver being out of position. See, sometimes a receiver is out of position because he hasn't done his homework. He hasn't done his study, right? You know, in the... In the NFL and in college, they've got all these playbooks. I mean, you've got you to know your stuff. When you get on the field, you've got to study. You've got to know your stuff. And on the field of life, you better know something. You see, the Bible says that my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And so for a receiver to get out there and the quarterback calls the play and he has no idea what the play is, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Where there is no vision, the scripture says, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people will perish. We would go down the tube, we would perish if we didn't have this book. This is the playbook for life. Become familiar with it. So that when the quarterback, Jesus, calls the play, you can be right there in position to receive. Don't go your own way in life. Don't go through life not being familiar with this. See, it's what you know about this for yourself that matters. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. Indeed, you'll know the truth. Come on, somebody. And what will the truth do? The truth will make you free. And you can't be timid playing in the NFL. You know, Jane Mayorga's Nephew, Dennis Peter, played for the, plays for the Baltimore Ravens, won the Super Bowl last year. He's not a timid guy. He trains to make sure that he's in position. You can't be fearful and all worried and full of doubt and unbelief and receive from God. Worry and fear and doubt and unbelief will block the blessings from heaven in your life. But if worry and fear will block it, faith and confidence will help you receive it. If being unfamiliar with the playbook will stop it, being familiar with the Word of God, glory to God, will bring you through to the other side. Come on, somebody. And so we don't have a lot of time left this morning, but let me just preach a while. Can I preach a while? Save me the blood of Jesus. It is supernatural. Now, Adam's blood through sin was contaminated, was it not? And his condition, it was passed unto the whole human race. But then Jesus came along and redeemed us to God by his word. How many of you know the blood of Jesus is not natural human blood? He was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. His blood is supernatural in origin and in power. And I heard the Spirit saying, the blood will never lose its power. It reaches. It reaches into the lowest valleys of our life. It reaches into cancer. It reaches into poverty and lifts us up and lifts us out. Woo! Glory to God.
Oh, the blood. The blood. Amen. Now I'm told. Well, look at, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's, let's work on this for a while. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and the 17th verse. Thank you, Father. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, If any man be, is in Christ, Pastor, I don't know whether I'm in Christ or not. Well, if you're a born-again believer, you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. Amen? So if any man is in Christ, he is, what is he? He is a new creation. One translation says he is a new species that never existed before. I am a new creation. Amen. You're a new creation. I am not what I was. I am who he is. As he is. So are we right now in this world. You're a new creation. I am a new creation. Now notice with me in the rest of the verse. It says old things. What have they done? When, 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 when something passes away, it means it, 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 it's no more. You are no more what you used to be. You are no more what you used to do. Don't let, let the world label you. Don't let the world name you. Let God label you. Old things are passed away. And then he says, behold, all things have become brand new. I love that. And so the blood of Jesus then, what this blood does is it carries the life of the new creation. The life of the new creation. I'm told that some of the finest horses in the world are bred and sold in Lexington, Kentucky. And some of these horses, whether you realize it or not, they're worth millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. These horses are they're raised on the, on the finest farms. And they're raised on these beautiful ranches. Anybody ever watched the Kentucky Derby before? And the breeding fee I heard on one particular horse that had the blood line of a champion was 600,000 bucks. Think about that. Why would anyone pay $600,000 for a house to come over to a horse to come over to your house for a while? Why? Because of the bloodline. The horse Carried the bloodline of a champion. Well, Jesus, the champion, son of God, and son of man, he has a history of producing champions. <laughs> I'm not looking at ordinary people today. I'm looking at people that come from the bloodline of the champion, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not looking at you through natural eyes. I'm looking at you through Christ and in Christ, purchased by the blood of Jesus. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He's got a history of producing champions. 
Begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. You're not a loser. Amen? Amen. Satan's the loser. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, notice with me, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now let's look at it in the King James Version. That's the New King James. Let's look at it in the King James. Brenda preaches out of the King, New King James. I preach out of the King James. I'm more scriptural than she is. Let's look at it out of the King James Version. I'm older, right? But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A peculiar people. You're a peculiar people. You're peculiar to the world. Did you know that? That doesn't mean you're an oddball. But you're a peculiarity to them because you will not enter into what them are doing. Now, them would love to bring you down to where they are. But you've been raised up with him. And because you're raised up with him, you have a new standard of life. There's now a new way of living. There's now a new way of talking. There's now a new way of walking. There is a new life in you that spurs you on to live above the world. You're not better than the world, but you're living above it. And to them, you're peculiar. But really, that's not what peculiar there means. The word peculiar literally means you're a purchased possession. Say it with me real strong. I am. am. I'm a purchased possession. I'm purchased by the blood and you're purchased by the blood. What reason, pastor? That we should show forth the praises of him. Who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What are you purchased for? You're purchased to be a praiser. You're not purchased to be a complainer. You're purchased to be a contender. And what do contenders do? Contenders win. Contenders do not back off away from the fight. Contenders get in the ring of life and fight the good fight of faith because they know that the fight has been fixed. Fixed. 2,000 years ago. Whoo, glory to God. Whoever heard of losing a fixed fight? Say with me, Jesus is my champion. And so, so what was his assignment? His assignment was to bring many sons and daughters like you and I to glory. He's got a history of producing champions. You know, when you study this bloodline of faith by the blood of Jesus, you see men and women of God that faced insurmountable challenges, but they always triumphed. They always won. They always ended up in the winner's circle. I want to say to you today that you and I, we've got the genetics of a spiritual thoroughbred. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter, the, the first chapter, the 23rd verse says, uh, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth, 
and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1.23. 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again. Everyone say being born again. Not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. I'm about ready to shout and dance. I don't know about you. But I haven't been born again by something that's corruptible, meaning I've been born again by someone and something that is incapable of being destroyed. Woo! But of incorruptible. By the word of God. Say with me, it lives and abides forever. So never underestimate yourself. Don't, don't, don't talk about what you don't have. Don't talk about what you can't do. Talk about what you do have. You may not have everything in the natural that you'd like to have, but it ain't over yet. Amen? And what's more important is who you are in the spirit realm. Because if you know who you are in the spirit realm, natural realm's got to line up. So don't, 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 don't walk around life talking about what you don't have. Comparing yourself with Raul. You know? You don't want to compare yourself with Raul. You don't want to compare yourself with Alice. You want to be who you are in him. You're one of a kind. And the neat thing about it is this. He has placed in us his genetics. And you know there's something about winners in life. They walk around different. They, they, they carry themselves with an attitude of more than a conqueror. Spiritual thoroughbreds don't walk around like a bunch of stubborn mules. No, they walk around with their head up because of the blood. How many of you remember the movie Seabiscuit? Seabiscuit's a story of a racehorse, right? And what, what, what Seabiscuit did is Seabiscuit overcame a lot of obstacles. Seabiscuit was not a champion when Seabiscuit first started out. But he was nurtured into being a champion. And so, this big race, this, this final race is happening. And of course, you know, the, the jockey had some disabilities. But here's what Cease Biscuit's manager told the jockey. He said, look, when you're on the racetrack, just let that big fancy horse next to him get right up next to him. And look him in the eye. And he said, that's all it will take. Because when Seabiscuit was looked in the eye, he took off. And he won that race by a large amount. You know, sometimes all it takes for me, I don't know about you, to win, is circumstances looking me right in the eye. (laughs) Something just kicks in on the inside of me because I'm a champion. When a diagnosis looks you in the eye that is anti-Christ, something needs to kick in. And it's not fear. It's faith. When a tragedy happens and it looks you right in the eye, When you're developed with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of faith, I'm telling you, something on the inside of you ought to rise up. 
Something on the inside of you ought to say, this is not according to the blood covenant. I refuse to yield to defeat. I'm a champion. And I come from the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we can run our race and we can win in Him. You belong in the winner's circle. Look at 1 John chapter 5, 4 in the message translation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Read it with me, please. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways, the conquering power that brings to the world to its knees is our faith. It's faith in the blood.